Well, good morning, Bridges. I'm Mike Reisler, and I guess you could say I'm another sub today. Um, but you can relax and take a deep breath. I'm not actually going to be preaching. I know as you look at your notes, you'll see that we have a blank page here today, and I know that's troubling for a lot of people. It's, it's troubling for myself, actually. But if you go home and put some lemon juice on that page, the answers and the notes will all appear. I, I promise I promise you. There actually was a guest scheduled for today, and he couldn't make it, so um, we've gone a different direction, and uh, I pray today that the Holy Spirit would use what we communicate today to encourage and to challenge us all in the area of work. For the past six weeks, we've been in the book of Daniel, focusing our attention on Daniel's experience in Babylon and drawing lessons and instructions from his time there in a hostile work environment in the halls of government. And as Harry mentioned, in a few minutes, we're going to put some flesh on the bone, as it were, and hear from the work experiences of, a, of several people from our congregation. As you might recall from last week, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, has had another dream, which none of his advisors can interpret. Finally, he calls in Daniel, and once Daniel hears the dream, he's reluctant to provide the interpretation. In fact, he's alarmed by the meaning and has to be reassured that the king wants to hear it. The boss in this case is known to have issues, and the interpretation is not a happy one. The news is not good. Nebuchadnezzar, whose kingdom was the most powerful in the world, was going to be relieved of his authority driven from people to dwell with the cows and to eat grass with them. I think that gives new meaning to being terminated or laid off. Imagine giving this news to someone like Larry Ellison, and you might have an idea of Daniel's predicament that day. Well, in spite of his concerns, Daniel delivers the word of the Lord, this decree against Nebuchadnezzar that will last seven years until he acknowledges the sovereign Lord who reigns over all men, and gives kingdoms, whether they be governments or businesses, to anyone he wishes. As we learned last week, Daniel actually advises Nebuchadnezzar to renounce his sin and wickedness, including his pride, by practicing righteousness and showing kindness and mercy to those that are oppressed. Basically, to live out the words of Micah 6, verse 8, to act justly, to love mercy, and walk humbly with God. And perhaps God in his mercy would allow Nebuchadnezzar's prosperity to continue. This actually brings us to Daniel 4, verses 28 to 37, our scripture for this morning. If you would open your Bibles or your electronic devices to this passage and follow along as I read. Beginning in verse 28. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. 
the kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. And you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, What have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my lords sought me, and I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the kingdom of heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble." May the Lord bless the reading of his word. So this text is actually Nebuchadnezzar's recounting of how the story of his dream turned out. I believe his dream represented a wake-up call, a warning that Nebuchadnezzar's pride was going to be dealt with. It's interesting that these events took place 12 months after his dream. kind of makes you wonder what was going on during that time. Perhaps in the first month, as many of us, when we get a warning like this, we did pretty well. We acknowledge God. But we become complacent over time. We're not told actually what happened, but we know that he had ample time to respond to God's prompting. And so it was that on a day like any other day, Nebuchadnezzar went up on his rooftop, surveyed his kingdom, and proclaimed how great a kingdom he had built. Then bam! The next moment, He was in the field dining on alfalfa. Instead of in his court, he was munching away with the cows the first day of his humbling. Today, we've asked three people from the congregation to share their experience, life experience, as part of a panel. And so I'd like to invite Connie and Rob and Mark, if they would come up. I'm not sure how many of you know each of these panelists, but I, so I'd like them to each introduce themselves, tell us a little bit about their, their family situation, their background, how long they've attended Bridges, and what they do for a living. So why don't we start with uh, Connie. Hi, my name is Connie. Um, I've been coming to Bridges for about two years now. 
Um, I grew up in Fremont and left for a little bit to go to college at UC Davis. Um, and I got a degree in civil engineering and then I moved back home and found a job in land management. So I help manage permits for land and talk to agencies to um, figure out our land use rights. And um, also when I moved back home to Fremont, I decided to start looking for a new church. And I started coming to Bridges and I really loved it. <laughs> so um, I decided to stay here and sometimes I help out with worship and yeah. Great, thanks. And my name is Mark Bartlett and my wife Cindy and I have been attending Bridges about 20 years. Um, we've been married 32 years. We have two adult children and we became grandparents this year, uh, which is really cool, by the way. Um, and um, um, we're both uh, independent insurance agents. So that's what we do for a living. My name is Rob Shibata. <clears throat> I've been coming to Bridges for about seven years. My wife, Nancy, has been coming for about 20 um, so there's a story behind that. And uh, I'm a, I own and operate a family business. Uh, this year we celebrated our 111th year in business. Uh, I was born and raised in the Bay Area. And um, I guess that's it. That's good. Thanks, thanks, Rob. Thanks for introducing yourselves. So what we asked the panel this morning to try to put this passage into real-life terms and context I'd like them to, can you describe a time in your life, your work experience, when you were humbled by God? And can you tell us about that experience, what happened, and how God changed your heart and mind? So I think we'll just go down the line again, and we'll start with Connie. And Connie, can you, uh, can you answer that question for us? Sure. Um, so my first job out of college was um, actually at PG&E. Uh, I was working on their land management team, and it was a good first job, and it was a really good experience, but I knew that I didn't want to stay there forever. Um, and after a certain point of time, I started looking for a new job, and um, eventually I found one, which is my current job. Um, and so I had put in my notice to leave, um, and I was pretty excited about leaving. And then, um, of course, God decides to give me a challenge <laughs> right then. And so... Um, one of my job responsibilities involved having to call property owners and notify them of work that we were doing. Um, and for the most part, my projects weren't very impactful and they were pretty quick. So um, things usually went pretty smoothly, but this particular project had to be done at nighttime um, when BART was not running. So it was like in the middle of the night and the gas pipeline also happened to run right through people's backyards. So we had to um, access people's backyards at night. And um, most people obviously were not very happy with that. <laughs> and so um, uh, a lot of people had things to say about it. <laughs> and then <laughs> um, <laughs> one person in partic particular um, got kind of suspicious and decided to call um, one of PG&E's customer service representatives and just try to verify my identity to make sure I worked for the company. Um, and <laughs> this customer service representative ended up emailing about 10 different supervisors, <laughs> asking them if they knew who I was, and they didn't. <laughs> so they emailed their supervisor friends, 
And then eventually it did get back to me, but um, it was kind of a surprise to find out mm -hmm. about that. Um, and it was a little frustrating because I was getting really excited to leave and preparing to transition to a new job. And then um, I had this project to deal with. Um, but in the end, it did get resolved. And I think um, it helped me grow closer to people there because I was working with them. Um, and I think it was also God's way of telling me that just because I have something coming up in the future, I shouldn't um, neglect the work that he has for me currently. And so um, I'm trying to apply that to my life right now um, just by knowing that God has worked for me in the place I am right now, even though there's opportunities in the future. Okay, thanks. I'm sure the BART people are very happy now with you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mark, can you uh, respond to the same question? Yeah. yeah, so I guess I have to go back to the beginning. Um, so I grew up a kind of volatile family. I moved 21 times by the time I was 18, had three fathers, and um, we didn't have much of anything. So, and I wanted stuff, and I wasn't going to get stuff, so I started working at a very young age. I mean, I did everything I could, Kool-Aid stands, newspapers, wash cars, mow grass, whatever it took. Got my first real job at 14, got, uh, opened up my first business at 21, so I was pretty aggressive. Um, got married, met my wife, you know. Um, Bought my first house and was doing really, really well. Um, early 20s, though, the greatest thing that ever happened to us happened. Um, we came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And so even though I was successful in business, my life was kind of a wrecking ball at the time. And uh, God really transformed me. He changed my life completely, and things were looking really good. We had our kids, and we were moving along. But I guess there are some underlying things that you just don't see that are going on. And I think of this as when uh, a client comes to me and wants to insure a property. And I ask them about it. And I said, well, tell me about it. And they'll usually say, well, we got new windows, we got cabinets, and we got granite countertops and floors and paint and everything. And I'm like, that's great. But tell me about the wiring and tell me about the plumbing and the heating and air and all these things. And a lot of, in more cases than not, people go, well, I'm not really sure. Uh, everything seems to be working fine. Nothing's broken. And that's kind of the way I look at kind of my life. God had transformed all the what I would call obvious sins and cleaned me up real well. But what was going on underneath that I didn't even think about and what was going on? And the thing was, my job was still a God to me. And I was liking the attaboys, the successes and everything like that. Um, and I didn't even really realize it. And about nine years ago, in literally a two-hour span, much like a Nebuchadnezzar thing, my business gone like that overnight. I've lost everything. I'm devastated, and I'm like, what am I going to do? And so after I came to my senses, I kind of repented to the Lord and cried out for help, and over this time span, you know, I'm sitting there panicking, going, my kids are about to start college, and we're done, you know. But uh, my wife and I, we prayed. It brought us closer together. Um, I had a lot of support from, from men here, the Band of Brothers and stuff like that. And uh, I saw God doing great things. We, we just got on our knees and relied on him. He got us through all of that. Uh, we have a new business, which is no longer mine. Now it's his 
And it's just, it changed an area of my life that needed to be changed that I didn't know. It was probably the most painful experience in my entire life, and I guarantee it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Rob. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) You're up. (laughs) I'm going to stand up. I'm a little more comfortable with that. Um, We'll have to compare notes sometime. (laughs) <laughs> the joys of business ownership um, I was not raised in a Christian home my parents were Buddhist and God called me out of the darkness uh, I met the Lord through the young life uh, organization in 1968. During, if any of you can recall, this was a time during the Jesus Movement, the last big revival uh, across the country, but it was particularly strong in the Bay Area. And uh, in 1969, I was with a group of Christians that were just having fellowship, and the presence of the Lord was really strong there, and I had a huge, I had an encounter with the living God. And, and at that time, even though I was already saved, I really felt like God was laying claim to my life. The Lord wanted me to give him his, my whole life. And so I did. And eventually in 1973, I moved to Santa Barbara to live with a group of about 120 Christians. And we were, we were all in. We all lived together. We had meetings three or four times a week. And, and the Lord blessed it. And I became a zealot. I mean, I just, I wanted to know the most. I wanted to sing the loudest. I wanted to pray more. I wanted to jump higher and, you know, fly. So uh, that's what I did. <clears throat> and then uh, that fellowship came to an end in the early 90s. Uh, I met my wife, Nancy, uh, in that fellowship. We got married. And then we moved back to the Bay Area, and I entered our family business. And I uh, was learning the business. Uh, and like Mark, you know, I mean, I was invested in that. That became a very big part of my life. But also, uh, in terms of fellowship, again, I I wasn't raised in a Christian home, so I wasn't in the habit of going to church. And because of this experience of, you know, with this Christian fellowship for all these years, uh, I considered that to be the highest and the best. And if I couldn't have that, then... I didn't want to have anything else. And when I would go to small groups or I'd go to church or we'd go try find different places to plug in, I was judgmental. I would, I would be judgmental about, oh, these guys pray like this. I can pray a better prayer than that. Oh, this guy's <laughs> sharing this from the Bible. I know more about the Bible than that. I know you guys don't have thoughts like that, but I, <laughs> I'm... And the reality is, is that I was proud and I was arrogant. I had spiritual pride and spiritual arrogance, and not, a, not in a good way. And uh, the Lord takes a very dim view of pride. Uh, and so, over about a five-year period, I stopped following the Lord. And I, I didn't doubt my salvation, but that hunger and that thirst and that wanting
you know, I got to have the Lord every day. That was gone. That wasn't there. So what did I do? I put on a set of, and, and I also was having uh, some, some difficulties in my marriage, and I, uh, and I got a hard heart towards some Christian brothers. Again, I'm still a believer, but I have all these things going on. And so I, I put on a, a set of Christian values. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian businessman. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be fair. I'm going to take care of my family. I'm going to take care of my employees. And that's what I did for 20 years. And I basically walked in the world and lived in the world. And I was saved, but I lived by a set of values. And, and then one day in 2009, uh, I wasn't looking for the Lord. I wasn't trying to be uh, renewed or find the Lord again. I was just walking along, doing my own thing. And I had an encounter with the living God. <laughs> And Jesus came to get me, and I was walking the other way. I wasn't thinking about him. I wasn't trying to get back to him. I wasn't trying to do better. I was just going my own way, and the Lord encountered me in a big spiritual experience. I'm not talking about charismatic. I'm talking about just the presence of the Lord. And it went something like this. You know, Rob, haven't seen you in a while. I don't know really where you've been. I'm not quite sure everything what you've been doing. But you know what? I don't care. I just want to know if you want to follow me again. I just want to know if you want to be mine again. I just, I just want what I want to know right now. And I couldn't believe it. I was doing nothing. I was doing nothing for the kingdom. I was doing nothing for the Lord I was walking in my own life in the world, and the Lord came back to get me and to give me a personal invitation to follow him again. And you know what? That's humbling. I wasn't humble because he exposed my sin or exposed how stupid I am or, you know, there was some circumstance that embarrassed me or... I became humiliated by something. It wasn't an outward humbling. I was humbled by the love of God that he would come back. And for all of my straying and being away and not thinking about him and being hard, that I was not beyond the grace and the love and the mercy and power of God. I, I, I was afraid to put my life in the hands of the Lord again. 
But, you know, when you have an encounter with Jesus, what is it that makes each of us drop everything and say, I'm going to belong to the Lord? And an encounter with Jesus will do that. And so I said, okay, I'm going I'm to give... I'm going to put my life in the hands of the Lord again. And I told the Lord that. And I was scared because everything that represents security to me, security to me, my business, my house, whatever I have, I'm, all that's going to be secondary to belonging to the Lord. And uh, so I did it. And the Lord gave me incredible blessing for about 18 months, spiritual blessing. And then one day, like my brother here, disaster struck my business. And suddenly my entire business and financially our entire family was, gonna, was at risk. I mean, we're talking about, you know, bankruptcy. I got to sell my house. I'm going to be out type of risk. And that is a, a scary thing. And especially, you know, for the guys, because we feel like we're responsible. We're the hunter-gatherers, right? We have to make it happen every day and be responsible. And So there's a big burden on us about that. And so in my business, as a businessman, I'm used to getting outcomes. Okay, this fire happens over here, go over there, take care of that. This other thing breaks on the other side, go ahead, go over there, fix it. I, we go and we take care of things. We manage things. We, we try to work things so that there are outcomes that we want. And so I'm all ready to like just go all in on all this. And um, the Lord is like, remember when I renewed you? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, well, remember, you, uh, you said that you're going to place your life in my hands. I said, yeah. He goes, well, what about now? And I'm like, well, I, we've got all this stuff that's broken. It's blowing up. It's, it needs to be fixed. I've got to get my hands on it. I've got to take care of it. And the Lord's like, that's not what you said. You're going to put your life, your whole life, in my hands. And you know what that means to me is that means in my heart, my heart, in my heart, I put my whole life in his hands. Not just the words, not just the actions, not just, it's in my heart. And the Lord is like, okay, so what are you willing to believe are you really willing to believe, now here we are on the ground with real stuff. Are you going to put that in my hands? And what's more important in your heart, Rob? Is it for me to be king of your heart, or is it for you to have the outcomes that you want? And I realized that that was the battle. The battle for, was for what was going on in my heart. That the Lord wanted my heart. He wanted me. And the outcomes were secondary. And if I, my faith in the Lord depends on outcomes, I'm going to be severely disappointed. My faith in the Lord has to be based on the Lord being king of my heart. And so... 
I went through a year of having to bring myself to that place every day. Lord, and I prayed. I prayed for all the outcomes that I wanted on the ground, right? This is what I see in front of me. I prayed for all of those things because the Lord tells us to put it all up there, right? And I asked for the Lord's will to be done in my life. I prayed all of that. But at the same time, I had to come to a place where in my heart every day, it's like, Lord, win, lose, or draw today. Are you going to be, I want you to be king of my heart today. And that was hard to get to that place. Um, And I'd get to that place, I'd be really happy, and then the next day I had to start all over again. (laughs) And so that that went on. And at the end of about a year, by a great miracle, the Lord delivered me and delivered my family and delivered our business. But the biggest miracle wasn't what he did to deliver us. The biggest miracle to me is that he kept my heart all the way through and that at the end of all of that, my heart was still for the Lord and I wanted him to continue to be king of my heart. And um, because whatever else he did was just a gift. It was just his own mercy. So, um, humility is, my experience with humility was being humbled by the love of God towards me and also being humbled in terms of basically giving up control and being able to let the Lord be king and really, you know, the Lord looks at the heart, right? We know that. And so if my heart is right towards the Lord, who's going to know? Nobody's going to know except the Lord and myself. I can say the right words. I can sing the songs. I can read the Bible. I can do all these things that make all of you believe that I'm my heart's towards the Lord. But only the Lord and I know where is my heart really. And so that became the lesson when my heart is really in my life is really in the Lord's hands. That's humbling. Thank you. Thanks, Rob. So just... W- So a question, another question for our panel is, how do you keep pride from creeping back into your life or gaining control in your life? Anybody can answer. None. <laughs> um, so I think by reminding myself that God gave me this job and it's 100% from him and it's not because of anything I did. Um, and my particular job right now um, has to do with what I studied in college, and it has to do with my first job at PG&E. And um, I think the timing in which it happened and just the sequence of events, it's just very clear to me that um, God was behind it all, and he made it all happen for me. Um, And even though I didn't, I wasn't totally satisfied with my job at PG&E, it's clear that that was also a gift from God. Um, And so I think by reminding myself that um, it's not because of anything I did, and this is a gift from God. Um, 
and also that God didn't just hand this gift to me and walk away, but he's still with me as I go to work every day. Um, and he still has a purpose for me there. And I hope that I can continue to pray and um, try to figure out what work he wants me to do there. Um, so for me, the experience I went through still resonates with me daily. And during this time, I really learned how God provides. And I've seen him at firsthand take care of our family, um, even when we were all the way down on the bottom and, and um, brought us together, provided for us in every way, continues to do so. Um, I'm just constantly reminded of what he does. And, and I think about when my wife and I, we pray together every day. I always like to say, um, everything we are and everything we have belongs to you. And I'm constantly reminded of that, that all good things come from him. Just like Nebuchadnezzar just said, you know, we, we, you look up to him when we know that you are the provider that gives all things. You can take it if you want, and he can take it again if he wants. I know he's always has our best interests at heart, and it's not about me. It's about him. So it's a lesson I really needed to learn, and I just pray that this will stay with me the rest of my life. I think it will. It's kind of like a thorn in the flesh thing, you know. <laughs> but but that's, that, that's what keeps pride from welling back up. Amen. I can't really keep pride <laughs> from coming out at work. Um, no matter how much I try to control that, um, I can act humble, or I can say humble words, or I can dress down or, you know, walk a little hunched over. But <laughs> that pride is still there in me. And what I found is that the, that pride is in my heart. And so if the Lord wants to put a lid on pride in my life, then the work that he does for that isn't external. The work that he does is internal in my heart. And in my heart is where he will expose and point out to me that, you know, you're proud. <laughs> and that is, that's not a good place to be. And so the solution isn't to try to get rid of the pride myself. The solution is for the Lord to fill my heart. And the Lord is the one that can displace that, that pride. Okay, well, if you give our panel a hand, you guys can go down. Up, up. So as we wrap up today, what are the takeaways from the life of Nebuchadnezzar and what you've heard from the, the folks in our congregation? I think one takeaway is that it stinks to live with the cows. I mean, I, that's one, but not really very applicable to, to us right now. I think another takeaway is that something that we, we know from Scripture that God says that he opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, 1 Peter 5, 5. What's interesting to me in, in this is that Nebuchadnezzar was a pagan king, but God reached out to him and, you know, grabbed him by the neck, as it were, and brought him to his knees in order that he would acknowledge God in his life. 
And God does that with us as well. And he will go to no lengths to call us to himself. Just as Rob has mentioned and Mark and Connie mentioned, that God does those things. In my own life, God has done that um, through periods of unemployment. He's told me that you're putting too much confidence in Matt. Your dependence needs to be on me. And so I, I can't take pride in my work. I need to have confidence in him. Another application point I think here is that we need to develop a habit of acknowledging God in everything, the big and the small of our life. This is what God required of Nebuchadnezzar, that he would acknowledge God's sovereignty in his life, his grace and mercy, and recognize that any success he had in the building of that kingdom or a business all came from from God's hand. And lastly, to develop an attitude of gratefulness, because when we're grateful, we're thankful for what's going on in our life. We're acknowledging that someone else had responsibility in that. It's not in and of ourselves. And so we can give God the credit. He's the one that's provided us with skills and opportunities to be successful in our businesses or our lives, our families, and he alone should get the credit. Let's pray. Our sovereign God, we praise, exalt, and lift up your name this morning. You are the God that has dominion over all things. Your dominion continues forever and ever. I pray, Lord, that we would be willing to acknowledge you in our, in our lives in, in every aspect, that we would give thanks to, to you for what you've done in us and through us, that we would learn the lessons and not have to be taught them over and over again. We thank you for your love and grace to us. And we praise your name this morning. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Bridges Community Church Sermon Podcast. Bridges Community Church is located in the San Francisco Bay Area in Fremont, California. To know more about Bridges Community Church, please go to our website at bridgescc.org.